This is the Employment Law Show. 6.32, you bet, Wednesday night. Welcome to it. John Scholes here along with Chris Justice. He is your guy, Sam Firu, to market LLP. From there, the most positively reviewed law firm in the country. Reaching out to Chris and his peeps anytime. They're always willing to help you a couple different ways. Phone number first, one 821 5900 and help at employmentlawyer.ca. I'll give those out again throughout the show in case you didn't uh, write them down or forgot them. No problem. Pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. That's also a free and anonymous website for you to use. It's been designed to educate you more about employment law because it's something you should know. You spend most of your days, most of your weeks, most of your life at work, right? So you got to know you got your uh, rear end covered. Educate yourself. Do it at pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. You can also take advantage of the severance pay calculator. Take a uh, take a, take that out for a spin and see exactly what you would be owed if it ever came down the pike that you were let go. You'll be, uh, again, more educated than probably the people letting you go and giving you a week per year, right? So, again, that's at Pocket employmentlawyer.ca on the show tonight we're going to get to being let go from your job without even realizing it that is on the way and i want to remind you as well phone lines are now open ready to talk to you 416-870-6400 feel free this is your time to call in with your questions don't remain in the dark chris is here to answer them 416-870-6400 but uh, chris let's get going pal what do you got for the uh, the case of the day what's happening on your side yeah, so uh, actually today I wanted to talk about something that's pretty much been happening since the onset of the pandemic as far right. as, um, you know, people having these remote work from home relationships now with their employers or there being some maybe hybrid relationship where you're working from home, but you're coming in. And, you know, it's been uh, now more than two years of lockdowns and, you know, disruptions to employment. Um, and I was reading a study or, or some statistic that was saying almost three quarters of uh, Canadians have now returned to their pre-pandemic working conditions, mm. um, but that there's still a, a little minority there that actually prefer uh, the work from home arrangement or the remote uh, arrangement and actually want that to continue indefinitely, even though uh, it may not have been a thing of the past before the onset of the pandemic itself. So a lot of people have been asking me these questions as far as, you know, if they've been working from home, can their employer uh, make them essentially return to the office? Um, and with that said, uh, it is the case, generally speaking, that employers have the right uh, ultimately to determine where their employees perform the work. So your employer can essentially make you return to the office if the understanding between you and them was uh, that you were to do your work duties in a specific work environment before mm-hmm. the pandemic. Um, So as much as people might think, well, look, it practically makes sense for me to stay home. I'm a lot more efficient or, you know, it's maybe more convenient. That may not necessarily uh, and often is not necessarily enough to give the employee the right to kind of stay put in that situation. Um, Go ahead. Sorry. I was just thinking, is this uh, is this case a little different? I mean, in any other circumstances, somebody's at home for two years, you know, they get used right. to it, it becomes an implied term. I guess the whole fact that the pandemic kind of threw a wrench into that, uh, that thinking, right? <clears throat> yeah, so I guess one of the ideas would be that even though the pandemic happened and even though employers uh, granted their employees the ability to work from home, that it wasn't uh, necessarily going to be the case that that was just to last forever, that, that you know, once things sort of, we'll say, went back to normal, uh, that there would be an understanding that you would go back there. So I think that's sort of the implication uh, that, that sort of we're working with in that context. Um, there are also exceptions, though, not to say that if you're an employee mm-hmm. in the situation, you want to stay at home. 
and your employer is forcing you to go into work that you actually have to go in. There are some exceptions, for example, uh, one would be, of course, like a health related reason. You know, if you uh, can't return to the office and you need accommodation from a medical perspective, then yes, your employer is going to have a duty to accommodate you. Uh, although you may be in that case required to provide some supporting documents sure. uh, to confirm that need. And then another big example would be something related to childcare. So, you know, whether you're in a situation where the schools were shut down and you had to be at home or, you know, whatever the case is, if you've got children uh, or, or certain needs in this capacity, then that's another uh, common ground or exception that I find um, happens a lot. Um, because again, your employer is going to have that obligation to uh, accommodate you if you need to look for daycare or whatever the case may be. And so those are some of the two, the two of the biggest exceptions I see. Um, but yeah, otherwise it, it can be a bit of an uphill battle for employees to kind of assert that as a right. Um, one other thing I do suggest though, is to try to find out maybe if there's a hybrid work arrangement that could be proposed. Right. So, so maybe you can go into the office a little bit here, stay at, at home a little bit there. And you know, I'd like to think that if you're just as productive and, and there's no other issue in terms of being physically there or not, then hopefully employers can sort of work out something with their employees. How about the uh, the case where you may be taking care of somebody who's still suffering from long COVID, they can't work? I mean, is there accommodation based on family status? Would that fall underneath that banner as well? Yeah. So I, th I think, you know, generally speaking, you know, even before the pandemic, of course, we've got certain rights that, that are owed protection, certain forms of leave even that you can take um, related to maybe family caregiver status or, or that kind of thing. So I think if there was something along those lines and, and you were the person that needed to be there as that form of support, then, then yeah, that could definitely be another exception. Again, 416-870-6400. Lots of time to call in, ask your questions about what we've been talking about or anything. could be a simple severance question, but uh, bring it on. Don't sit there in, in mystery. Uh, have it cleared up with Chris here on the show tonight. All right, main topic, being let go from your job without even realizing it. Number one, you are put on a temporary layoff. Connect those dots for me, pal. Yeah, so I mean, I think a lot of people now, by or by now, anyways, have heard a lot about these layoffs, especially with you know uh, COVID going on for the last two years. A lot of people have either heard of people being laid off or themselves have been laid off, and for the most part, they're being told, whether it's COVID or not, that it's a temporary layoff. That you know the company is uh, intending on bringing them back, mm -hmm. um, but may not actually have a specific return to work date, and then you're sort of as an employee kind of left in limbo hoping maybe to come back but you know never really knowing what the future is going to hold so um very very much a common thing nowadays and, and a temporary layoff people do need to understand is generally going to be viewed as a termination um, so if you've been laid off in a way you can treat that as a termination uh, the company doesn't have an inherent right to lay somebody off despite what mm. a lot of people might think despite what you know maybe parts of the legislation may say they don't have that inherent right um, so you can, as an employee in that case, if you're being put on a layoff, you can choose to accept it and, uh, you know, continue working or wait to go back to work. Um, or you can instead decide to say, no, uh, this isn't something I've, I've consented to. You know, there, there may not be a contract signed that, that mentions anything about layoffs at all. And so then you can treat, as I say, that as a termination. But you kind of got to decide fairly quickly, you know, what your decision is going to be, because the longer you wait, um, and not to say there's an exact science to this, but the longer you wait, uh, the more likely as an employee, you'll just be seen as having condoned or accepted that change just by virtue of your silence. So again, you know, kind of want to decide one way or another sooner rather than later, as far as how you're going to treat that situation. 
You can always go, by the way, to employmentlawyer.ca and uh, look at what the website's got for you. Advice that you need, compensation you deserve can be found there. There's all kinds of information. And also follow what everybody like Chris and the guys are doing on the TV show, along the radio show, of course, and live streams through YouTube and Facebook and so much more. And uh, the number one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred to reach out after the show. Okay, being let go from your job without realizing it. Uh, how about this one? Your employer decides to change some of the terms of your employment. That could be uh, maybe a monetary salary change, uh, your work, maybe your location, your hours of work. What do you think about that? Yeah, so it could be, as you say, like a whole host of different reasons. It's a pretty yeah. wide umbrella. And anytime an employer makes particularly significant changes to the terms of your employment, uh, regardless of what those terms are, uh, that's going to be referred to as a constructive dismissal. Um, as you say, it could be job, uh, like duties, pay, location, etc. Uh, you don't necessarily need them all. You could only have one of them be the change or maybe a couple of them be the change. Uh, there's, again, not an exact science to what necessarily will mean automatically that's a significant change. So I think people do need to understand that there are some changes, you know, even if they're being imposed on you, that might not be seen as a constructive dismissal. But certainly anything of significance uh, regarding any of those factors, again, much like the layoff, you as an employee would then have an option to sort of say, okay, I'm going to accept this change, even though, you know, it's maybe not ideal in any sense. Um, or you can say, no, I don't accept this change. This isn't what I've signed up to do. You're now coming to me, you know, sort of imposing this on me. Mm-hmm. And, and as an employee, again, you can treat that as a termination. Now, um, uh, again, much like the layoff, the longer you wait or decide, the more likely you might condone things. So, uh, again, the more reason to contact a lawyer and make sure you're doing everything right in, in sort of a timely fashion. Yeah, it's interesting. I guess it's very, you know, as far as changes like that, I guess it's it's very personal from from employee to employee. You know, a change mm. of moving two miles down the road for me might be no big deal if I drive a car, but for you, it might be three more different bus routes. So that's a huge change. So I guess you got to look at each individual case, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and even if the changes are with merit, you know, not to suggest that employers are only out there maliciously changing things when they don't have to. And a lot of employees might think, well, Actually, it seems like there's a legitimate business need for, you know, this location to change. And, and mm-hmm. yeah, maybe it actually changes a quite a long distance. And you think, well, it's nothing being done in bad faith. Well, no, actually, even if there is a business reason for it, if it means, as you say, kind of adding a significant amount of time onto your commute, um, regardless of whether there, there's merit or truth behind it, it's still you're still going to be in that situation. We have options. Talking some points uh, on the topic tonight about being let go from your job and you don't even realize it. Here's another way you're put on an unpaid suspension. Yeah, so I guess there could be a whole number of reasons why someone might be placed on an unpaid suspension. Um, Recent days, uh, there's been, of course, a lot of issues with uh, employees not complying with COVID vaccine policies and being placed on unpaid suspensions for that reason. Um, there could be other examples. Maybe you've done something wrong and you're placed on an unpaid suspension as a form of discipline and your, your employer is just simply saying, you know, look, we're going to, we're going to suspend you for a little while. But in, in general, again, this is not something a company has the inherent right to do. Uh, there may be some situations where if your employer places you on a paid suspension, you know, paid in full, um, that that could be something accepted, but when we're talking about an unpaid suspension, again as a form of discipline, uh, that could very easily also constitute a constructive dismissal. Um, and again, much like the other the other uh, issues we've touched on already, if you allow it to happen, then there's going to be a potential issue. 
but um, you should know that that's not something as an employee you have to accept. And, and again, you have options. You can take action if you need to. And taking action, you can reach out to Chris, by the way, anytime, one 821 5900 help at employmentlawyer.ca. But we're, uh, we're still taking your calls here as we get into a quick break, 416-870-6400. Chris Justice, John Scholes here, Sanfiru Tamarkin, LLP. You can reach out anytime at employmentlawyer.ca as well. Your call's coming up after the break. A short one. We'll be right back with the Employment Law Show. Welcome back to the Employment Law Show. Welcome back. At date 647, Chris Justice is your guy reaching out when the show is done. 1-855-821-5900. Help at employmentlawyer.ca for all of their matters. You can learn lots, too, at pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. I want to get to our, our calls. Hey, Mark, thanks for hanging on. What's your question? Um, <laughs> I'm nine years old. How old do I have to be to work? Um, okay, so it depends on what kind of work you want to do. So, for example, like construction. Uh, construction. Like construction. Wow. Like construction. Like working at a car dealership. Like working at a restaurant. All that stuff. But like, like all that stuff. Like, like building houses. All that stuff. Right. Creation. Wow. Right. Right. Well. Well, I will. Like doing all that stuff. All right. What do you think, it, Chris? Well, well, Mark, it really does depend. You've listed uh, a number of jobs there, and actually, as far as Ontario is concerned, there's uh, certain rules depending on how old you are. You can only work in certain areas. So, for example, if you're working in a restaurant or you're working in an office area. My understanding is you need to be at least 14 years of age. But if you want to work in some form of construction or a mine, for example, then I think you need to be at least 16. And if you want to actually work in an underground mine, I know you have to be at least 18. So it really does (laughs) depend uh, on the type of work you're doing. Um, But in general, it would range anywhere from being at least 14 years of age to at least 19 years of age. Unless you crack open a lemonade stand in the end of the driveway, that's pretty cool. That you can probably do anytime. But, you know. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That that you can do, but uh, yeah. certainly as far as construction, uh, I'm pretty sure you need to be at least 16 or older to do. Yeah, you got to be able to sling a tool belt. You're nine, bud. You probably can't handle it, but that's all right. <laughs> Later in life, look, he's eager though. You got to appreciate the the gumption yeah, of the yeah. kid for sure. Four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred is the uh, the the uh, the number to call through. Just like uh, just like young Mark did. You got some time to do that in between being let go from your job without realizing it uh another one here is the company you work for is about to be sold yeah so so this one a lot of times people think uh you know my my owner or the the owner that i work for he's selling the business he's retiring you know he's closing up shop uh and therefore he's saying that i'm not owed severance or that i'm owed less severance and you know that's just simply not the case um your your severance entitlements would would probably in all likely just just be just as great as if there was no sale um, so that's number one. Now, if your if your job is being uh, taken away from you because the company is being sold to another business, and that new business offers you continued employment, then that may be a little bit of a difference there. So it would depend on kind of what's being offered. If if you're being offered a job by the new employer that's way different than what you're doing, then you're entitled to treat the termination as being the sale and and going after severance based on your years of service. If the offer from the new company is is the same or relatively the same, you don't really have as good of a reason to reject it per se, 
then you're still owed severance. It's not likely going to be as much, but you're still owed severance in any case. So whether it's just being sold outright and no one's taking over or there's a successor coming in, um, you're, you're going to be owed your severance. In the case where the job is either vastly different or you're not offered a job going forward from the buyer, who pays the severance in that case? So if you're not offered a job by the buyer, then the seller would be would be on the hook for it. Um, but if you are offered the job, it, it would depend on the specific terms of the new job. Mm -hmm. um, but at the very least, of course, the seller is going to be on the hook because the seller was the one who kind of uh, took on those years of service. And there actually might be uh, like a purchase and sale agreement between the buyer and the seller that would speak to, uh, you know, whether the buyer or the seller kind of have those obligations or whether they might share the obligations, depending on, on which circumstances unfolded. So um, it could be a combination of the two or, or uh, just the one, but, but it would depend. Again, being let go from your job without realizing it, the talking points on the show uh, tonight, your employer won't accommodate your medical restrictions. Yeah, so this kind of goes back to just the general duty to accommodate. I was I was yeah. talking a bit about this at the opening of the show, as far as um, uh, as far as the lockdowns and people maybe wanting to stay at home. So the same thing with medical accommodations generally. If if you need an accommodation, uh, and I'm more so specifically talking about things that can reasonably be accommodated as well. Um, but your employer is just simply viewing it as maybe too much of a burden or an inconvenience, or they just, they, they don't want you coming back until you can do a hundred percent of the job and just doing, you know, 90% is not good enough kind of thing. Uh, those are also situations where you as an employee are going to have options as far as, well, you know, there's this obligation on you to, to accommodate me. You're, you're not fulfilling that obligation. And, and therefore I'm going to treat the situation as having been, uh, having been terminated. And then, not only that, but your employer risks uh, being exposed to potential right. human rights damages for, for disability-related reasons. How about this one? Uh, you know, you have to deal with a poisoned work environment. That happens, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, far too often, unfortunately. Um, now, just as, in a general sense, right. there is an implied uh, term of everyone's employment agreement with every employer that as an employer to be treating your employees with civility, dignity, and respect. That's just assumed in all contracts. And mm -hmm. so when you enter a work environment, and not to mention there's safety obligations through legislation that are imposed on employers as well. So when you when you enter the work environment and the work environment's toxic or poisoned or, or becomes toxic or poisoned, then there's been sort of a fundamental breach there of that term of, of making sure that the work environment's healthy, that's safe, and that everyone's being treated with, with respect and dignity. Um, and, and again, you'll have that option to sort of say, you know what, enough's enough. I'm treating this as a termination. Uh, now, in these cases, you're going to want to, I think, at the very least, raise the issue to your employer. You know, you got to be able to communicate something to your employer. There's probably mm -hmm. specific channels that you can do that through. Um, and if your employer responds in a very unsatisfactory manner or just simply brushes all your concerns under the rug, then again, they failed in that duty. There's a duty to investigate. And you can, at that point, especially say that you've, you've brought it to their attention. And now they can't, you know, try and argue, well, I, I never heard of it or I never knew of this. Right. You know, I would have done something had I known kind of thing. So you want to make sure you do that as an employee in these cases and, and record your, your efforts and document things. And um, it'll be up to how that employer is going to respond as far as what your options will be afterwards. Another way you may have been let go from your job, you don't even realize it, that you're sick or injured and cannot return to work. Yeah. So, so by this one, I was sort of meaning that 
if you're an employee and you've been, let's say, off on short-term disability leave, and then that mm-hmm. turns into long-term disability leave, and you know, a year goes by, two years go by, three years, four years go by, and your employer is, you know, usually obligated, of course, to keep that position open available for you, but only for a certain period of time, not for forever. So let's say several years go by and your doctors are still saying that the prognosis is guarded and we don't know if he's ever going to go back to work or, or there's, there's no sort of end in sight or return in the foreseeable future. Well, at some point, your employer is going to be able to say, you know what, the contract that we have with you, this relationship has been frustrated as a result of this disability that's prevented you from essentially doing the job that, that we all agreed you would do and, and signed up to do. So they can choose to terminate at a certain point in time. You know, whether that's a year, two, three, four, five is going to depend on the circumstances. But at the same time as well, uh, employees can choose to treat their employment as having been over. Even if the employer hasn't come to them and said, you know what, we're going to let you go. If you're an employee and you've been off for quite a while and there's no hope of returning, you also have an option to say, you know what, I'm I'm calling it on this and, and you'll be able to get some severance entitlements yourself that way too. Finally, uh, you may have been fired without knowing if your employer is trying to make you break laws slash regulations in order to maintain employment. Hello. Yeah, yeah. So this might seem pretty obvious, at least as far as, you know, an employer asking to break laws uh, and regulations. It seems pretty, pretty severe. Um, I, I, I raise this one because there have definitely been situations in the past where clients of mine and actually clients that work in safety related positions, like they might be the, the safety inspector or you know, someone in HR, and they're bringing legitimate concerns that they're required to bring to the employer under, you know, potential regulation, or just as part of their duty. And the employer is basically responding and saying, you know, why are you making such a big deal of this? Like, just keep it quiet. Like, it's, it's almost like you're too good at your job. And, and you're, you know, you're bringing their, you know, to their attention, these concerning facts. And whether it's breaking laws or not, your employer is just sort of trying to just completely disregard it. And, and again, that's going to strike at, I think, the core of the relationship you have with them, especially if your job is to highlight, you know, safety related things or uh, look out for potential irregularities or whatever it may be. And, and so I've actually had it a lot where people have come to me in these situations and they've, they themselves have just been quiet because they don't really know what they can do, what their options are. Like if they maybe mention something and they get retaliated against, is that a problem? So, um, yeah, I just think people need to know that at the very least you, you have the opportunity to speak to a lawyer and, and kind of understand at least what your options are and, you know, whether exactly what your employer is doing is offside or illegal or, or, you know, offside with some legislation. And I guess um, just before we go, I guess it's always good. Any correspondence in that regard, have it in writing all the time, keep records of it, right? Yeah, yeah. This yeah. Go, this is just a good general point, you know, in yep. terms of discussions over whether you should accept certain changes to your job or layoffs or your your um, maybe pushback at being suspended, uh, unpaid, whatever Got it is. It. Like you want to voice your your opinions and, and make it known and record it and the paper mm-hmm. trail because you there never you know how beneficial it could be later on. That is it. We are back tomorrow for the Thursday edition. Join us then. In the meantime, reaching Chris one eight five five eight two one. 5900 help at employmentlawyer.ca. That's the email. And then pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Catch you tomorrow at 6 30, the Employment Law Show.